0: You're listening to The Weekly Brew
1: with Austin Statton, Jeremy Paxton, and Hunter Atkins. It's time to sit back, relax, and be informed.
0: Welcome to episode 129 of The Weekly Brew Podcast. My name is Austin Statton. We've got a great episode for you if you're a Houston Astros fan because Jake Kaplan, who covers the Astros for the Athletic, not the Houston Chronicle, will be joining me for a uh, a sit-down discussion discussing Astros pitching, uh, their early start to the season, and uh, we're also going to discuss a little basketball as well, as uh, Jake is a huge fan of the Philadelphia 76ers, and we make a friendly wager for the postseason between my Rockets and his Sixers, so you'll have to stay tuned for that. But uh, really quickly on the Astros, so Jake and I sat down uh, last week when the Astros were on the road in Minnesota. And uh, the pitching staff looked dominant. Uh, Garrett Cole dominant, Verlander dominant after his Monday night performance. Uh, but since then, it, it's really been the storyline for the Astros that the offense, which was so dominant last year and by some metrics the best in baseball, has struggled. And since Jake and I actually recorded the conversation, the Astros are one in five over their last six games. So it, it, it's kind of disappointing right now for Astros fans. But you just look at their starting lineup right now. Uh, you only have two guys hitting above 300. Of course, Jose Altuve leaving the club with a 323 clip. Brian McCann hitting 313, but I'm not sure how sustainable that is. But outside of that, you've got Josh Reddick, who started slowly, kind of rebounded, saved the Astros in a few games, uh, probably crediting him for two wins. Uh, he's hitting at 300. You've got Correa at 273. But Marwin Gonzalez, who was so key for the Astros last year, 164. Bregman hitting 212. Derek Fisher, 143. Jake Marisnik, 146. And he has something like 20 strikeouts and 41 at bats. That's not going to get it done if you're an Astros fan. Evan Gaddis is struggling as well, hitting 184. Uh, and then, you know, you look at just the overall offense. George Springer, uh, you know, not getting it done at the plate. Uh, so far this season, hitting 224. So there's a lot of concern right now in Houston uh, from the offensive perspective, but I-, I think you have to be cautious about that. Uh, don't overanalyze everything. The Astros started slow last season. This is a team that has shown on paper the last three years they can hit the ball. They will hit the ball. Uh, I think something to watch for though is their patience at the plate. It seems like they might be pressing a little bit, striking out more than they have in the past. Uh, but they, they really need to get some uh, something going. You know, uh, losing two out of three again weekend, including uh, two extra inning games, one of which they were leading five to nothing. Uh, It's not really going to get it done. It's sort of wasting uh, big starts by their starting pitchers. In fact, if you look at the Astros, their last four starts with Garrett Cole, Charlie Martin, Charlie extremely well. Cole, in seven innings, has allowed just two earned runs. Morton, six innings, two earned runs. Verlander, eight run. Keichel, who on Monday night looked great. Eight innings pitch, two earned runs. Uh, They're striking out guys, but they're just not getting any. He said the Astros only managed three hits and their two to one loss to the Mariners on Monday. They have just a six, especially with the surging Angels out in the AL West. So uh, what does AJ Hinch do? Who knows? I think, uh, you know, one, patience is key. Two, come up soon. And that young guy currently with the Fresno Grizzlies, Kyle Tucker. Kyle Tucker, who lit up the Astro training could be primed for a promotion if the Astros cannot find Marisnik continues to struggle if Marwin continues to struggle if Derek Fisher continues to struggle maybe the Astros move and uh, you'll know, we'll have to wait and see but uh, you know the Astros are struggling right now uh they have two more games against the Mariners then they go on the road against the White Sox for a three-game series before returning to host the Angels Monday, April 23rd. So, uh, a lot of time to get right. White Sox are not a good club. Hopefully, the Astros can find their bats. And get things going, but uh, I also want to remind you that if you did not listen to our uh, podcast last week, our bonus episode, we had Jeff Van Gundy on the podcast who covers the NBA with ESPN, former head coach of the Houston Rockets. Uh, he broke down the playoffs for us and, uh, in such great fashion. It was a 12 minute conversation. Uh, predicts that the Rockets will sweep the Timberwolves. Of course, they uh, beat the Wolves. On Sunday night, James Harden, 40-plus points. Great performance from him, from the likely MVP. Uh, They returned to action on Wednesday night at the Toyo. That bonus episode, if you have not done so already. But uh, without further ado, I want to get to Jake's interview here in just a few moments. We're also going to talk about his perspective and kind of getting back to its roots. But if you want to follow our work, you can subscribe to our our social media channels. Just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, you can subscribe to our website at weeklybrewcast.com. Baseball talk. So sit back, relax and be informed. You're listening to The Weekly Brew. Joining us now on the podcast, Jake Kaplan from the Athletic, not the Houston Chronicle. Make sure that you note that. <laughs> and uh Jake, we are recording this episode in 72 degree weather outdoors at Kirby Ice House in Houston, Texas. Beautiful blue skies. And uh one I, it's great to have you on the show, but two how did you get away from covering the Astros twin series? Was it just, you didn't <laughs> want to be there for the 32 degree freezing weather no. in Minnesota?
1: I love the cold. I'm actually looking at my phone right now to see the weather. It's 39 degrees currently in it Minneapolis, sounds miserable. which is, isn't terrible for what they had the last few days. I love the cold being a, a Pennsylvanian, but I, I found it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on a lot of trips, road trips this year, but not every single one. And. Trying to be uh, the most efficient with the ones I choose, and with the possibility that they might not play a game in this series, I figured it was not uh, the most efficient trip to go on. But it was also cold. It was also cold. But like I said, <laughs> I mean, I'm cool. I'd rather it be cold than hot. I mean, the 72 is perfect. But if I, I'll take,
0: I'll take cold over searing hot any any day of the week. That's fair. And you, you know, kind of mentioning that last Sunday, Astros played a game a little bit. Cold. I think first pitch was something like 52, 53 mm-hmm. degrees. Coldest first pitch in Minute Maid Park history. I saw so many fans on Twitter complaining that the roof was open, saying that you should turn on the heat. You have a roof for a reason.
1: How about the players? The players, well, the, the players too. The Not
0: only that, but there's no heating in Minute Maid Park. Like, yeah. and even you know, Lance McCullers I think this week he said something that the players actually enjoy the roof being closed a little bit more. And I know as a fan during the playoffs, the atmosphere completely changes when the roof is closed. Like, why is having the roof closed better from a player's perspective?
1: I don't know why it's better for the pitchers, but I know the hitters like it because they can hit more home runs that way. It's it, The ball carries better. Really? Uh, yeah, that's what they've, they've said. Um, maybe for pitchers you get a better feel of your stuff, but um, I would think it would benefit the hitters based on my conversations with the players, and I know that's why the, the hitters who were vocal about it like, like, it, like it closed. It definitely does lead to a better home field advantage, like you said. I mean, Game Seven of the ALCS when it was closed right. was the loudest I've ever heard Minute Maid Park, and then you have it open for you know other games. It's it's not as like the the open home opener a couple of weeks ago was it was loud, but it would have been a lot louder after the roof was closed.
0: Yeah. 100%. But it's such a gorgeous skyline. I don't know. It is. Maybe maybe I'm like a purist or something, but I just love th- when the weather's right. Now, it has to be right. I, we're not talking like August. We're talking April, May when it's still 70, 80 degrees. Nothing to me beats outdoor baseball.
1: I agree with that. And I, do, I feel like it's a different ballpark when it's open. Just aesthetically, it's, it's really, the skyline is, is
0: great. Yeah. So, again, Jake Kaplan, Jake M. Kaplan on Twitter. Also, what is it? The Athletic. Underscore HOU. Is, is that right? on? That might be right. Don't, don't,
1: uh, just we, search the athletic we on we can Twitter. You'll find out, it. But yeah, yeah, I don't know what, it <laughs> I don't know. No, I just go to theathletic.com.
0: So I think last time we had you on was spring training preview, just talking a little baseball. At that point, I don't think that you had made the jump I, I yet to right. the athletic. I mean, what was that process like for you? You know, because you made the jump a few years ago from Philly to Houston, mm. but you make the jump from print to you know, great digital platform, but you're still covering the same team.
1: Yeah, it's it's different. Um, I've always worked for newspapers ever since I was in college and, and worked at the Penn State student newspaper. And so, hey, congrats
0: on the NIT, by the way.
1: Thank you. It's a big, big deal. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: my Baylor Bears if, lost in the second round. If only so. there was
1: a better tournament they could have challenged us in. Um, yeah, uh, it's my first non-newspaper job, and so I'm, I'm you know venturing out into the digital world and so far it's been awesome uh you know i'm having a lot of fun it's it's really nice to have the freedom to you know not be beholden to writing a game story and, and and covering the minutia of the day and kind of take a bigger picture approach and write interesting features which i think we
0: have done so far and and will continue to do and that's something that i like about the athletic in general is I don't know. You can go to every mom and pop paper, whether it's, you know, the Houston Chronicle, uh, you know, the Woodlands Villager, the people that I grew up with. And they're going to provide you the same content, right? It's here's what happened in the game. Here's how the Astros won. Here's a quote from the manager. Awesome. Like, but there's not much analysis and in-depth, especially in a town that's so football crazed as Houston. Like, I feel like we get that from the Chronicle with the Texans, you know, because there's so many people that cover the Texans on Sunday. But that really isn't the case at least right now with Astros coverage and, you know, for you, like you said, you're able to focus on kind of the details, right? Like the behind the scenes, here's a story. Here's why it's important. You know, Altuve getting that $151 million contract. We know we were speaking off air. You said, you know, you didn't break the story, but you wrote five, 600 words on why it's important for the Astros moving forward. I mean, why is that such a benefit for fans that follow the game of baseball?
1: I think, it, well, speaking about newspapers, I think it's it's tough in this day and age. With They're so understaffed, and they still have to fill the same amount of space as they have. So, you know, it's tough to really, you know, you're basically just churning out copy because you have to fill a, a hole, a certain size hole every day to... Um, you know with with less people than ever before um so yeah this is just you know it we don't have to fill a hole it's right as long or as short as you want um but you know hopefully I, the goal is to I- insight over information yeah is, is one line i've heard essentially from, from creating from like an
0: informed ups. fan if that is yeah
1: i mean you know instead of telling you that something happened our goal is to tell you why it happened um and you know i, I did my best to do that at the Chronicle too. It's not, you know, I think that everyone at the Chronicle and, and newspapers everywhere does a great job with, with the it's, restraints it, they I, have. But I,
0: I think part of that is, you know, journalists now are just so overworked. Yes. You know, I, in my corporate job, one of the things that I do is I go around to our different assets throughout the country. So whether it's a refinery in Cherry Point, Washington, Whiting, Indiana, whatever, we go and teach executives media training, right? So we're, we're in a crisis scenario, which, you know, my company's had a few of those in the past. Um, we want them to be prepared and equipped to handle any conversations that they have with the media. And one of the things that we tell them is that you go back to the 1980s, 1990s, when print was everything, that you had reporters that focused on specific businesses, right? So you had mm-hmm. business reporters that focused specifically on Exxon, s- specifically on Shell, specifically on BP. Now you have two business reporters that cover every single industry. And I feel it's the same way with sports, right? I mean, it, back in the heyday of sports, you had multiple people covering the Astros, multiple people covering the Rockets. Now it's one guy, maybe a fill-in here and there covering right. some sample stories. Maybe but, a hunter here and there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you're, you know, with, with the the problem with newspapers is you're trying to compete in the digital age, so it's, you know, instead of just working for that print paper, you've also got to put out blog posts, you know, any information. Yes. So
1: And special sections. Yeah. For, so you're, so you're for working, events, you know,
0: 18 hours a day during the season and it's exhausting.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a long season. Uh, it's exhausting for sure. And yeah, it's, you know, I, I, think, I think it's not always conducive to the best work uh, for sure. But, uh, you know, unf- it is what it is, unfortunately, in this day and age. Newspapers yeah. are just understaffed. I mean, even the inside with the editors, there's not enough of them. There, need- there should be more. There used to be more. So um, it's just an unfortunate reality. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited to have a little bit more freedom. And um, freedom's not the right word because I had freedom at the Chronicle. But just flexibility, flexibility yeah. to not have to worry about game stories uh, because there are 162 games. Not all of them are, are interesting. And focus more on feature stories and and different unique stories that you won't get anywhere else.
0: Yeah, and just want to be clear. We're not, you know, harping on the Chronicle. It's just, you know, I I think Chandler does great work. Hunter does great work. Although he does resent you for forcing him to go to spring training. So the funny (laughs)
1: backstory behind that is you mentioned the last time I was on. As we walked out of there, it was when I told him I might be leaving. Yes. Uh, Did he have a
0: meltdown after that?
1: He was not in a good good shape. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to go get him to have a beer with me, and it it he just wanted me to drive him home instead. Was it like a breakup talk almost? It, it was, uh, he 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 might have used the word heartbroken. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's too funny. But yeah, they do a great job at the Chronicle. But you know, in the digital age, they need as much support as they can get, and you know, more help. But that's hard for newspapers to provide now but you know enough about that but you could definitely subscribe to the athletic subscribe what is it what is it 3.99 a month something like that
1: um i'm not sure what the latest special is right now but uh yeah it's, well it's, just it's just it's basically your a uh, month you know the cost of your uh, one cappuccino a month at starbucks you, yeah you worth it premium worth content on i think we're up to t- uh, don't quote me on this but 25 major league team out of 30 teams, and all the other sports. And you just
0: had a Boston this week on Tuesday, we added right? Boston, yeah. We had a Boston, we had
1: Denver, um, and you get Ken Rosenthal, you get Jason Stark, you, you get everything.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of funny when the this is not going to just be like an infomercial. You know, an infomercial we could, make it that. we could, but it, this is not paid promotion. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that was my thought when the athletic first started, and they started bringing in Stuart Mandel, who we had the, on the podcast at, back in August. It's like, all right, you know, they're bringing in like one or two riders. You know, I don't know if that's enough to make me want to pay the three ninety nine a month to sure. jump over. Maybe I can find the information on Reddit, message boards, that sort of thing. Well, now everyone seems to be making that move. It seems like, you know, we've had a lot of members from The Athletic. We've had Nicole Auerbach. We've had Stuart Mandel, Richard Deitch, you. So it seems like if you come on the podcast and you're a journalist, you eventually end up at The Athletic. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, Jake, Astro's off to a hot start this season, uh, just flat-out dominance from the starting rotation. You wrote about that, uh, you know, just the first turn through the rotation, Mm -hmm. how dominant they've been. I mentioned on last week's podcast, I think their first few games, they were something like a a sub – the starting pitching ERA was something sub 1.7, I think it was Mm -hmm. 1.68. Garrett Cole has been to me the most – I don't know. I I don't want to call it surprising because we all knew that he had – ace caliber stuff but it seems like he's just accelerated his game a little bit and is almost back to that 2015 form
1: yeah i mean it's i think that's probably been the biggest takeaway we're we're filming this right before their 12th game of the year or filming uh taping no
0: camera and there's a good reason that we don't (laughs) (laughs) have a camera Yeah, yeah,
1: you don't want to see me right now uh and uh so 11 games in they're nine and two and i think garrett cole's probably been the biggest story over their start just like you said how dominant he's been i mean he's always been a guy in the past who had elite stuff but the, aside from 2015 the performance didn't really match the stuff now it is and you know whether that keeps up over the whole season well, obviously we'll see it's it's two starts it's not a not a big sample size but um his fastball uh you know is better than it has been he's getting swings and misses at a higher rate than he has been and He's throwing more breaking pitches. Um, you know, I mean, it's not a stretch that to say that two of his two starts with the Astros have been two of his
0: ten best career starts, and that's pretty incredible. Can he keep it up? I, I mean, Hunter told us during the spring pra- training previews that he was very cerebral, right? And yeah. that he's probably one of the most intelligent pitchers that the Astros have on their staff. You know, he's he studies everything absorbs a lot of information i mean is this something that he's really sharp yeah is this something that can keep up with you know strom kind of working with him for the length of a season having a guy like justin verlander who he can go to and i don't know essentially act as a mentee if you will yeah
1: i mean i don't know if he's going to keep up this rate i think his uh you know whatever his era is 0.5 is probably not uh you know sustainable but that's
0: that's better than i do on mlb the show by the way
1: (laughs) But, yeah, he, um, you know, and it's, it's interesting, too. Um, it's just, yeah, I mean, he couldn't have gotten off to a better start. I don't, I don't see why his, you know, he can't be this guy all year. Um, but um, this rate of success is probably not sustainable. But, yeah, he's, he's definitely cerebral. He's, he's interesting to talk pitching with. Um, he kind of has he reminds you of Charlie Morton in that way he's also when they were teammates in Pittsburgh Um, you know after a start he'll really take you through the key pitches and Joe Musgrove actually did this as well really well Uh, take you through the key moments why he they picked a certain pitch uh, what was working what wasn't and uh, yeah it's been it's been obviously really interesting to
0: watch him through two starts you mentioned Morton Morton is a guy who found himself last year I mean, just, you know, elevated the velocity. His off-speed pitches were really, really working, you know, as he put more of a focus on the off-speed pitches here in Houston compared to what he had done in the past years. And, you know, he had that 12-out performance in Game 7 of the World Series. He comes back this year, his first two starts, looks as dominant as ever. Uh, his fastball running up there, you know, 97, 98 miles an hour, uh, zero ERA. He just looks sharp, and he's the Astros' fifth starter. I mean, is there a team right now that can compete one to five with the Astros when it comes to starting rotation?
1: Um, I think if they are, I mean, I think the Indians, maybe not one to five. I think there's teams that have really good rotations. The Indians, the Cubs, the Dodgers, um, probably forget. I mean, the Mets, if they stay healthy. Um, but stuff-wise, one through five, uh, probably not. But, you know, they have to stay healthy. Um, it's a long season. They have three pitchers who missed significant time last year out of those five. So what this looks like in a few months, we don't know. But on paper,
0: to start the year, I don't th- – yeah, I think they are they have the best stuff, one through five. So you say stay healthy, and, of course, the Astros last year, I think it was, what, 11 pitchers started a game last yes, year or something like that? Uh, you know, so it's – I don't know, it's going to happen this year. Somebody on the you know the Astros is going to go through a DL stint, whether it's manufactured like the Dodgers do, you know, similar to what the Angels are probably going to do with Otani at some point this year to keep his innings down. You're going to have to have another guy come in and spot start a game or something like that. Who, who is that for the Astros right now? Is it, is it McHugh or do you bring in a peacock who had great success last year but has been absolutely dominant so far early this season with the Astros? I think it would
1: 99% likely be McHugh. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to have more than both of those guys will probably start games, right? Like, so will others. They, like you said, they used 11 last year. They'll probably use 8 or 9 this year at least. But first crack would probably be McHugh just because he's, uh, I would say, Peacock's more
0: pivotal to the bullpen uh, he's. I mean, he, he he's has, versatile. He's I mean, he he can throw an inning, get a key out, or he can right. throw three innings and get the the win like he did on Sunday. Right. Exactly,
1: and I think McHugh is more of a traditional starter, and um, that he's done it longer. This is really he's not a reliever. He's kind of just a reliever, pigeonholed into this spot
0: because of what they have in the rotation. Yeah, it's. I it's you know. <laughs> On Monday night, you, you probably saw this on your Twitter feed, but you know there were a lot of people concerned with Giles coming in in the, the ninth inning, hanging that slider that just went foul by a few feet. It ended up getting the save. But the Astros' bullpen, and Hunter has said this on past shows, that that could be the winkling wink for the Astros this year. But Devo looks to be back into all-star form that he was last season. Peacock looks great in a versatile type role but outside of maybe will harris there seems to be a lot of
1: i think joe Joe smith's pretty good um i think Rondone's still unknown um hector Rondone. um yeah i mean i think giles is a question mark until he proves otherwise i I don't think um you know the, the twitter mob wants to release him i don't think that's I think that's a little extreme, especially for April 10th.
0: Yeah, but, overreactions. Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt his his start has not been good. Uh, but he's also never started good. <laughs> um, I've Why cov- is that? I, I think it's a, me- I mean, it's a mechanical thing. He just takes a little bit of a while to, to click into to place for whatever reason. But, I, I mean, I remember covering him in Philadelphia his, fir- his first full major league season and he wasn't his stats don't show that he was bad, but in spring he was not good. Um, and then his his three years here in Houston he's had bad Aprils in, the, in all three now um, if you count this all, as already a, a bad April. Um, so yeah, I, I, w- I think it's gonna be a couple months till we can really tell if he's gonna bounce back from that terrible October. Um, I don't think you can really judge it off of a couple innings in in late March, early April.
0: I I still want to talk about the Astros, but something that you mentioned kind of got everything in my mind triggered. It was starting off slow and, you know, bad starts and people jumping on the bandwagon saying this person's not going to be any good. There's a guy out in Los Angeles right now, Shohei Otani, who was brought in from Japan. He's actually in Texas
1: currently. Oh, okay. Fair, fair,
0: fair. But... He was brought in as the Japanese answer to Babe Ruth, right? So the expectations were so high. He struggled in the spring, like offensively on the mound. He he didn't look great. There were people speculating that maybe he should start the season in AAA because he wasn't ready. But then the regular season clicks. And he has a perfect game going into the seventh inning on last Sunday. He's got three home runs the first week of the season. We talk about small sample size. We talk about hot starts. But why is it that certain players... I don't know, maybe you don't turn it on in the spring. Maybe is is it because they're working on specific things or they're not showing their full arsenal?
1: I think it's different for each guy. Um, I think in his case, he's, you know, adapting to a new country. He's never lived here before. I think that's a big deal. Um, That's probably one factor. Um, I I didn't see him in spring, so it's hard for me to say, but I know there was...
0: He was uh, out in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Arizona, yeah.
1: There was a lot of concern with how he looked, but... It's just the latest example that spring means nothing. And, um, you know, it. people were freaking out. Or not freaking out. But, you know, people were concerned that Brian McCann was 0 for 18 or whatever he was. And then now he's hitting three or 400 just out of the gate. It, it does not matter. Which
0: is not going to be sustainable.
1: No. <laughs> but spring training is just its meaningless. I don't know why it's just six glorified weeks. Glorified practice. Yeah, I don't know why it's six weeks. I think they should shorten it. Interesting take. I, I mean, I think... I think it's only six as long as it is. I mean, tell, the,
0: tell that to Jose Altuve, who was there two days after the World Series, it's just, you know, getting ready for spring. He would...
1: <laughs> I'm sure the players would love it to be shortened, too. It's it's long so the pitchers can build up and so that they can sell tickets at the spring training games. Um, but these... These players are—they're in such good shape all year round these days. Like it used to be that they would use spring training to get into shape. They would, you know, drink beer and eat whatever all winter, and then come in spring and build themselves back into shape. But now they don't do that. They're all in shape, most of them, and they're ready to go two weeks into spring. So um, it's mostly me complaining because I run out of story ideas <laughs> after two two weeks. But um, but yeah, as far as what we were talking about, uh, spring doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, sm- everyone gets. You know, f- falls in love with guys or, or or vice versa based on small samples and um, yeah, Otani it's it's incredible to watch so far and the splitter is remarkable. Yeah, um, he, he had what twenty four, twenty
0: five swings and misses yeah, on Sunday.
1: The fastball is running up in the high nineties and um, and he's hitting home runs three days in a row. And I, I I think a lot of people around baseball thought that he would eventually default to. Pitching because that's right. his better, his better of the two. But if he's hitting home runs three every every three days, it's he's going to be a two way player.
0: So there's a guy in Cincinnati who was drafted last year, Hunter Green, number mm-hmm. one or number two overall. I can't remember which two. one. Number two. Uh, he's got electric stuff on the mound, velocity over 100. He can also hit the ball. You know, it's a National League team. Do you see maybe a trend with Otani having early season success? And now here's a caveat: like if he can sustain it for an entire season. Do you see other teams maybe experimenting with those two-way high school and college prospects who excel at both, who maybe in the past they've sort of pigeonholed into one or the other?
1: I don't really. I think, like, Otani is just, like, an anomaly. Yeah, exception to um, the rule. Yeah. I think Hunter Green, if I'm not mistaken, already gave gave up hitting. I think he's just pitching. Um, the Brendan McKay, the Louisville kid that Rays took, I think, is trying both. But... Yeah, I, I I don't think it's going to be, like, a thing. I think Otani's – I mean, I think there might be one or two guys, but I don't – I think Otani just is just absurd.
0: <laughs> yeah. What does that mean for the league to have a guy in which everyone is talking about? You know, this, this Japanese import who comes in with such high expectations is now taking Major League Baseball by storm. I mean, I don't know, the last guy that I can think about – that has brought this much hype is maybe Bryce Harper. I mean, is 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 that good for the game of baseball to bring in yeah. the casual fan? It's great.
1: It's great for the game of baseball. Um, I mean, they have two of the most interesting players on the planet on the same team. Right. And Mike Trout and Shohei Ohtani. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited because I cover a team that's in their division. I get to see them play yeah, 18 like 19 or 19 times. times. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think it's great for baseball. It's great to, you know, I mean, there's been a lot of great Japanese players, but, you know, the more the merrier. Help. The more, the more there are, the more it helps expand the, the game, and, um, the less seats in the press box. But uh, that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think I heard someone mention the other day that this is, very similar to what the Rockets had to deal with, you know, in the early 2000s oh, when I Yao bet, Ming yeah. came over and the Chinese media was just all over the place. I bet, yeah, but. I don't know. I think think it's great to expand a game globally. Uh, You know, I I was over in Japan this time last year, and there was a uh, Yamiri Giants game, uh, Tokyo Giants, whatever. You know, just the fans. There's baseball being shown on airports in Japan. I mean, that, that country is like baseball crazed. Yeah. More so than what you would see in the U.S. I don't know. Somebody explained it to me over there that baseball in japan is like what it was in america back in the 1940s 1950s like just in terms of popularity mm-hmm. i don't know if that's accurate or not i believe
1: it I, i'm jealous you got to go over there that's that's awesome
0: well hey since you have more flexibility with the athletic just put this on your radar go find nori aoki <laughs>
1: and do the where is he now story
0: i'm just saying mid-september planning a trip to uh go attend to japan his, his
1: ring ceremony
0: do it Do it. Right (laughs) before the playoffs. The Athletic will sign off on it. (laughs) Cheap flights out of Houston. But... All right. So, back to the Astros. Uh, One of the guys who meant a lot to the organization last year, Justin Verlander, coming in at the trade deadline, literally seconds before the trade deadline, Mm -hmm. August 31st. I don't think the Astros would have won the World Series, won the American League without Verlander. I don't think they would have made it without him. Yeah. And... Here he is this year. I was watching Monday night's game, and there was this scenario. You know what I'm talking about. I think it was the sixth inning. He allows the first two runners on base. Mm-hmm. First and third, no outs. Mauer up, who has something like a lifetime 325 batting average against him. Strikes him out. Strikes out the next guy. induces yeah. a pop fly to Altuve. And then the camera cuts to him. And I don't know if you saw this, but he's, like, fired up. He's, yeah. like, fist-pumping, saying, hell Yeah. yeah it's an April game in Minnesota when it's 32 degrees and he's that fired up that much intensity. I mean, he's what 34, 35, 35 and still bringing it and still so competitive about the game. I mean, you've got young guys on this team like Garrett Cole, Lance McCullers, how much of an impact has Verlander had on those guys? And just, I don't know, developing camaraderie or Mm -hmm. arsenal or whatnot with the entire staff in general.
1: It's a great question, and you can actually read about that on The Athletic. Um, you knew where that was coming from. <laughs> <laughs> around opening day, I wrote something. I think I, I quoted all I Remember all the pictures. I remember yeah. the rotation plus McHugh and Peacock. And, yeah, I think the, my biggest takeaway was um, routine. He Since he's been doing it so long, he's got the routine nailed down, and I, and I think a few guys mentioned that. Um, competitiveness and how he attacks hitters and doesn't you know nibble. Um, you know, certain guys have worked on certain pitches with him. McCullers has worked a lot on him, with him on his fastball. Um, I'm as, I'm sure Cole has as well.
0: It was interesting because I think I think Garrett Cole in your story was the one that didn't give you the most information. Yeah, he was
1: the the one one sentence guy. He, yeah, he's. I think he said something to the effect of, without giving too much away, uh, sequencing is the thing. He's. But
0: then he had using. all the other guys like open books. Like, here's what he's taught me. Here's yeah. why it's been great. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but, uh, no, I think that was, um, it was a fun exercise to, to go around and see what every guy has learned. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lot more detail in there than they let on. But um, they still gave, gave some
0: good answers, I thought. So, you know, offensively, it looks like the Astros are going, you know, they, they've gone through a little lull. Eleven runs scored in the first five games. Again, we're, we are recording this during the Minnesota Twins series. Jake did not want to go to uh, Minnesota <laughs> because it was thirty degrees. So we are here at seventy-two degree weather, Kirby Ice House in Houston. Uh, but the Astros, eleven runs scored. The offense has been, you know, the haymaker. Uh, probably one of the best offenses in all of baseball in two thousand seventeen. Uh, kind of off to a slow start, two thousand eighteen, which is on par with really what they did in 2017. The they offense started slow as a pitching staff that carried them, yet they're still 4-1. They're still, during this stretch, they're still playing extremely well. Yuli comes back on, what, Thursday, Friday. Friday? So by the time you're listening to this, Yuli Gurriel will be back in the lineup. What does he bring to the offense?
1: I think he just lengthens their lineup. He's going to more than likely hit... Pretty far down in the lineup. I don't know if it'll be sixth, seventh, eighth, whatever. But it's just
0: a—it's insane to have a guy I mean, with that kind of potential the, that far down I mean, in the he lineup. He hits the ball harder than anyone yeah.
1: else on the team. Um, and yeah, I think it's just—it's just another doesn't see a lot of pitches, but he hits the ball really hard and um, for a pretty high average. Um, so yeah, I think I think it just and it, it allows them to play mario Gonzalez all over the place. Um, you know, I think you know their offense is gonna be fine. I mean people freaked out last year at certain points too and they ended up with only the best offense in American League history and by some metrics you know so i think they're going to be fine uh, george springer hasn't started hitting yet yeah. alex dragman hasn't started hitting small yet small
0: sample size that's yeah. something that you mentioned a lot to me before we started recording yeah. and i think everyone listening right now needs to know that if you're freaking out about anything small sample size like yeah. don't judge the Astros or the entire season? How somebody's doing until how long into the season?
1: At least 100 at bats. I say like mid-May is when I start to look at the stats really closely. I wish we could fast forward to that now, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's just it's people go through slumps, people get hot. I mean, Correa and Altuve were really hot in the first however many games, and um, you know, it's it's just it is what it is. It's how baseball works, and at the end, you got to look at the the whole. Season And if you look at their season last year, despite having Beltran in the lineup, it wasn't producing, um, you know, and despite, you know, slumps that freaked people out, they still had the best offense in baseball by a wide margin.
0: Yeah, and definitely a lot of fun to watch. I think before the season started, uh, Root Sports or AT&T Sports Southwest, whatever right, you want to call it, it. yeah, uh, they showed Game 5 of the World Series. And it was just so much fun to watch how, you know, even a 4 nothing deficit wasn't, you know, the team was never out of it. The Astros being in Minnesota right now, Memorial Day last year, they were down 8-2, come back and blow that game out. So the offense is going to be fine. Pitching staff, at least starting rotation, if they stay healthy, that's a caveat. It's going to be fine. Guys like Peacock, Devo, they look good. Giles, again, starts slow, usually picks it up in May, June, July. I asked this question been to Ben DeBose last week on the podcast regarding the Rockets, and it was – the Rockets being one of the favorites to win the NBA championship. Obviously the Astros are in the same position being one of the favorites to repeat when the world series this year, if we're having this conversation, November 5th, November 6th, right after the world series, if the Astros are to win the world series again in 2018, what is the narrative? Like what, what is the X factor? Like how, how do they get it done? Like what is the big storyline for the team?
1: Oh, that's a great question. I mean, it could be anything, right? Um, I don't know. I I don't have a good answer for you there. I will say that a lot of, and this is probably not what people want to hear, a lot of it's random. Yeah. Sports, especially baseball, there's a lot of randomness involved. And, you know, the Astros didn't enter the last postseason as the favorite to win the World Series. Um, The Indians won more games than them. Um, the Yankees didn't enter the postseason expected to win a round. You know, it's just a lot of. It they is, didn't
0: enter Game Three expecting right. to win the
1: round. <laughs> it's it's a lot of it's just who's hot at the right time, who's cold at the wrong time, and you know anything. Once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. No, I don't think anyone has better than a twenty percent chance once the, when the playoffs are starting to, to win it all. I and mean, you need a lot of things to go your way, just like the Astros. You know, they they did last year.
0: Yeah, and, uh, yeah, there are always pieces. Each year that sort of help you with that playoff push. Last year it was Verlander coming in. That w- that was definitely, in my opinion, the difference maker for sure for helping the Astros get over that hump. Rather than just being a you know another one and done type story that the state of Houston knows all too well. Is there a guy on the roster? I'm sorry. Is there a guy who is not on the roster right now that you could see making an impact this season? And if so, who is that guy?
1: Yeah, I think the obvious answer is Kyle Tucker. Um, you know, he's already in AAA at 21. He had a monster spring. I would assume he will be up over the summer, um, and if he if he plays well, he would be on the playoff roster. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think him. I think you know, you could see any number of of the the, the young right-handers they have in AAA. A: Armin, Armenteros, Martes, Paulino. Uh, Forrest Whitley, once he comes back from suspension, will be in Double A. I mean, there's a lot of guys who could impact. I think Tucker is the most. Hey, I'm likely. a
0: there. You said Double A. Is that is that confirmed?
1: I mean, that's where he'll start once he's okay. Back. So so
0: not not Triple A. He's no, going go mean, to go to Corpus. No, he only had
1: like two starts in Double A. Right. Uh, I think the thought was let him S- let see him what he can do there, and then see what he can do at the end of last year. Like he didn't even need to get there last year, and they kind of just pushed him to see to give him a little taste before the the following season, but. Um, yeah, once he's back from his suspension in late May, early June, he'll he'll be in double A, and, um, you know, I don't think it's given he makes it up this year, especially now, but... Well, you have
0: Asher's fans on Twitter right now suggesting that he should be in the starting rotation.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't agree with that. Or at least
0: in the bullpen. No. I'm not one of them, just to clarify. so he physically can't be. Right, right. But,
1: uh, yeah, he's still a prospect. I mean, he's a a really good prospect, but we'll see what he does in double A, um, and then maybe triple a uh but yeah i mean I, i'd say kyle tucker is probably the most like or whoever they get at the deadline whether it's a reliever if anyone a reliever a extra bat whatever
0: yeah so if you want to follow all of asher's coverage this year jake M. Kaplan on twitter subscribe to the athletic it's like pennies yeah to subscribe per day it's a bargain helps jake out you know it's great content, honestly. Like, and like, we're gonna
1: it, cover the Rockets and Texans eventually.
0: Eventually, yeah. And you know, it's it's not just Astros. It's not just Houston sports. It's also like national sports. You've got, you know,
1: we th- gotta we cover the Warriors, so you can cover them for the uh, upcoming <laughs> uh, Western Conference Finals. <laughs> All right. So
0: that's what that's what I was actually leading to is talking basketball because Let's pluck some hoops. You're you're a Philly guy. I am. As I'm sitting across from you right now, you are wearing a <laughs> World Championship <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles New Era hat. Um your Penn State N- N- Nittany Lions, they're doing their thing. You have Villanova winning a championship. So it seems like Philly it's Golden is Age, maybe maybe, well, yeah, a golden age of sports in Philly, golden age of sports here in Houston. It's Do all you see a scenario up. in which the two cities score off in June for the NBA Finals?
1: Yeah, if the Rockets hold up their
0: end of the bargain. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Strong words. <laughs> Strong words coming from a team that's not going to host a first-round game. Yes, we will. Are you? You top four seed.
1: I think we're the three or the four right now. I'm gonna look at the standings real quick. We just beat Cleveland the other day. Um, I think. I think. I think uh, it's gonna be tough. The team, the Sixers, are so young, but they're so their young players are so good that you know in the East with with Kyrie out is you know it's Toronto's to lose. But I could I could see it. It's not out of the realm possibility. Which is incredible. I mean, I think the over under for other wins for the Sixers was forty two, and they're already at fifty something.
0: Yeah, fifty wins as the time that we're recording this. There, as at, at the time that we are recording, fourteen in a row. They are sitting at the number three seed. Yeah. So I see and corrected. Yeah. They are going to host a first round game. Trust the process. <laughs> <laughs> hashtag. But all this is without Joel Embiid.
1: Well, he just got hurt a couple weeks ago, right? Right,
0: right. But I mean, the streak. The and, and you, streak. You, you yeah. see, you see Simmons who. I don't know he he wasn't that impressive in the college game at lsu still taking number one overall misses last season now he's going to win the rookie of the year but hopefully yeah i mean he should he but i don't know it to me it's very similar to the astros i mean it's I remember like the, the arriving early, of yeah. 2015 Astros yeah. kind of very, thing. very similar. I mean, they have all this talent, and I, I remember the narrative back in 2012, 2013. You weren't even here yet, oh. but they had like Nike warm-up shirts that said "Process," and Astros fans were just giving them hell on social media. Like, come on, you're you're like embracing the losers mentality. That's ridiculous. Then ultimately, it pays off. Joel Embiid, who's probably one of the most vocal NBA players on social media has had that hashtag for the last, what, two, three years. Trust yeah. the process. Yeah. And now it's paying off. I mean, three seed in the NBA playoffs for the Eastern Conference. Markel Fultz just came back. Yeah. He's, he's passable, at least. I mean... Maybe better, <laughs> hopefully. It's insane to see what the 76ers have done. I, I don't know. You've, you've got to be stoked. I'm really excited to
1: watch. I haven't... Uh, basketball was always my first love growing up, and um, I haven't been this excited about the Sixers in a long time.
0: So are you going to jump and cover the Sixers for the athletic? (laughs) (laughs) We already
1: have like four people. Our Philly Bureau is is rolling pretty deep. We have a lot of people covering the Phillies, the Eagles, Sixers, and they're doing an awesome job. So I'm just going to watch as a spectator as much as I can. I mean, it's tough for me to watch a lot of sports
0: because I'm always at the ballpark. But, uh, you know, hopefully I can catch a game or two here and there. So what what is more exciting for you? Like, you know, because you're in a unique position, and it, it's sometimes hard to separate. You know, when I worked in sports, you had to sort of take the emotion out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I worked at Baylor, my alma mater. I worked at Louisiana Tech. You lose a game, you lose a game; it's a no big deal. Whereas, you know, my friends, it would be you know depressed for 24 hours, just soaking in the loss. I think that was a great thing for me working for sports. You, on the other hand, you cover the Astros here in Houston, but you're still a Philly fan, like. Is, is yeah. there, like, an emotional I level?
1: I don't so, know. Did, how, how
0: excited you get when the Eagles won the Super Bowl? And how excited would you be if the Sixers won a title?
1: I'd be pretty excited, but, like, my fandom is definitely a small percentage of what it used to be. When the Eagles won, I was more happy for my dad, more happy for my friends, more happy. Like, the childhood me would have been ecstatic, and I was happy. But it was more for all the people I've. Come across in my life who were diehard Eagles fans. Um, having covered sports in Philadelphia for a couple years, you lose a lot of that fandom. The Sixers are the one team I never covered. Um, like, I did backup Eagles work. I did the, Philly, the Phillies, I have no fandom because I covered them straight up as the beat writer. Eagles, I covered, um, you know, so you lose a little bit of that. Flyers, I was never a big hockey guy. Um, I, don't, I don't know what hockey is <laughs> except for when they're playing the penguins which I think <laughs> they are but um, but yeah I mean sixers were the one I never really covered so I think that's why it was a little easier for me to to root for them but like I said being in this business and having your life sports be such a big part of your work life it's on I honestly don't watch a ton of sports outside of work and it's a lot of it's in a joking manner and trash talking to uh, you know other people and and you know giving can I curse on here? Yeah, uh, giving do it. Brian McTaggart shit about UH <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, you know, I'm obviously I'm happy more for my friends and family who are still you know huge diehards back
0: home. All right, so let's go ahead and make a bet. I don't I don't know if you're a gambling person. I'm a gambling person. Uh, we're having drinks right now, Kirby Ice House, in Houston, and this is before the Astros or after after the it's it's whatever. But let's let's have a bet. For our NBA teams, okay, okay, Sixers, Rockets, the team that goes further in the NBA playoffs, the loser has to buy the next round. Or do, or you like do you want to put some parameters? Because you, you're okay. I mean, all right. The Ro-
1: I mean, it's not a terrible, a terrible bet because of who the Rockets have to go against versus who the Sixers will have to go against, but the Rockets are the number one seed, the six years ago, the three or the four. It's a little different.
0: So Okay, so name the odds. What, what's what's the, the what's the wager? Is it like a one to three beer ratio? Is it a one to two beer ratio? I think one to
1: two. One to two? Yeah. Um, one to two. Um, and if they go the same amount of games, Hunter has to
0: buy. I agree with that. Fair. Hunter, you're on the hook. <laughs> 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 By the way, I, I think we mentioned this just briefly, but like I don't, I don't know if it, we mentioned at the top of the show or, you know, off air, but uh, Hunter, you know, he was so depressed in West Palm Beach covering because you left him for the athletic and he said his Tinder game was completely <laughs> off. He, he said that it was just like a barren wasteland on Tinder. Did you have any success on the dating apps there? And if you, If you're giving advice to Hunter on social media or dating apps, what would you tell him? Well, I'm not going to comment on my
1: dating life, um, but I do have a funny Hunter story from spring training. Let's hear it. Uh, First night, second night, maybe the third night at latest, uh, me and him and two of the writers who cover the Nationals went out to dinner. And on the walk there, we passed some little bodega where there's this beautiful woman working at the counter. And Hunter goes, if if she's still there on the walk back, I'm going to go in and ask her out. And I was like, you know, no, you're not. He didn't do it. On the way back, she was still there and he did it and got shut down. Oh, uh, what did she say? I didn't go in. I was like cringing from across
0: the street. Oh, I, no. I like, ran away. I Please was, tell me you have footage of this? <laughs> no, I
1: like ran around the corner. I was like, I don't want to be a uh, witness to this car, car train wreck, you know, car, car crash. Uh, but it was another great Hunter moment for sure. What was his reaction?
0: He shrugs it off and moves on. That's the amazing I part like of that. Hunter. I yeah. like that. Just head down, keeps on grinding. Yeah. I don't know. You missed 100% of the <laughs> shots you don't take, which exactly. is uh, a Michael Scott quoting Wayne Gretzky quote. But, <laughs> But interesting. So you can't find that kind of content on The Athletic. No, but you can find it on this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Jake, always great to uh, sit down and chat sports with you. And uh, I look forward to you buying me drinks when the <laughs> Rockets outlast the Sixers in the, uh, the postseason. But, again, if you want to follow Jake, Jake, you plug your social media. How, how can people find you?
1: Yeah, Jake M. Kaplan on Twitter, as you said. And then, more importantly, go to The Athletic, subscribe. Subscribe to the the Astros feed and read all the great coverage.
0: Are you guys selling merch? Because you're you're wearing this like awesome jacket right now. I
1: don't. There might be merch on there. I, I got this this sweatshirt. Uh, I don't know if they're for sale. It might just be employees only.
0: So if you find athletic merch and you want Jake to sign a copy, just let us know. <laughs> we'll, we'll make it happen. But Jake, appreciate it, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, thanks so much
0: closing time thanks again to Jake Kaplan for sitting down with me on episode 129 of the podcast if you want to follow Jake's work on Twitter just search Jake M Kaplan also highly recommend that you subscribe to The Athletic I think they have promotions going on right now where it's 2.99 a month so if you like uh, great Astros content that's a place to get it if you like great sports writing that's a place to get it also Ali Kambhijani who we've had on the podcast probably about a year ago uh, has been brought on to cover the Rockets during their postseason run so if you're a fan of Houston that network is only going to continue to grow and for two it's well worth it. highly recommend that you check that out. But uh, thanks again to Jake for uh, joining us on the podcast, breaking down the Astros early season starts. And again, unfortunately, since we recorded the episode, the Astros are one in five. So I don't know, maybe Jake's bad luck. I, who knows? But uh, definitely uh, thank him for his time. And uh, we hope that you uh, like our work. And if you do, we highly recommend that you subscribe to us on our social media platforms. Just search Weekly Brewcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Also, you can subscribe to our website at weeklybrewcast.com. But on behalf of my guest this week, Jake Kaplan, my name's Austin Statton, and we'll see you next week. You've been
1: listening to The Weekly Brew.